hands. I still hear the cries from Sherry. Please don't hit me. We were kids under the sheets. In this hoarded house, there's no hope in these rooms of blue dreams. All these pictures looking at me. Or more specifically, welcome me back to the podcast. You've probably been tuning in. And by tuning in, you've probably been refreshing your feed, being like, where the fuck is 24? Where's 24? I took a prolonged break. Um, just because I probably should have. We're going to beast mode it. We're going to get through the... Um, really the final week or one of the final weeks before I go on a vacation in about two weeks just because I always do. I always take a vacation every six months. I have... I don't want to say taken vacations because, um... I mean, I've had personal things, you know, go on in my life. Um, I've had relatives get sick. I've had relatives die. I've had, like, relatives, like... You know... So I've celebrated things with my relatives. It's, I don't know. I mean, technically they're personal days or, but, but they're not vacations. It's not like I'm going to the Bahamas, but yeah, a lot more breaks have been this week or not this week, but this year. And kind of the last one was just like, I want just a maintenance one to make, to make sure that I make it to Sunday. I don't really care if I make it till Monday. I'm like, I gotta, I gotta make it till Sunday. Gonna talk about essentially what happened since I was gone. We're gonna talk about the Pro Bowl. A lot of this stuff is like three days old, so I apologize with how late I am on some of this stuff. I apologize if this feels like rehash for some of this stuff. However, there's some great stuff that we're gonna talk about here today. Um, specifically, potentially the Giants trading Kadarius Tony as well as Kyler Murray not necessarily being happy with the Arizona Cardinals. And um, what a surprise! Deflategate was a sham, and um, and I mean it's it's just oh my god. I don't want to talk about it because I hate Deflategate, but at the exact same time I feel like I have to talk about it because it exonerates Tom Brady. So we'll get into it. We'll talk about it. We'll also talk about some music because I want to go on a rant here. Anyways, good podcast coming up, ladies and gentlemen. Twenty fourth podcast. You know, on my three-day hiatus, I went in and I just listened to a bunch of music. 
That, ladies and gentlemen, was one of the artists that I had the distinct pleasure of listening to. And you may ask me the question, 24, who is that? Who is that, you know? Who's that lovely lady? It's a fantastic question. Because you, you would think, right, that she's, you know, that she, you know, that with music being dead, of course, that, you know, she must be from the 1980s, the 1970s, things of that nature. You know, she was she was making music during the gold, the golden age of music. 20, her album just came out last year. I was on Bandcamp. And I was on the R&B section and Mother by the great and powerful Cleo Soul popped up. And I listened to that track that you just listened to, Don't Let Me Fall. Fell in love with that. And with the artist as well, Cleo Soul. I mean, like, come on. You know, I've heard for or from a lot of people that music is dead like over and over and over again. And I'm just like, I don't understand how people can say that when Cleo Soul just put out an absolute banger. And I kind of realized this. I was just like, you know, people don't try. People don't try to listen to music. People don't try to explore music. Like I can like again, not even again. I'm sorry. I'm rehashing some of this stuff because I tried to record this exact same podcast last night. And it was technically this morning at like one o'clock in the morning and I didn't make it. I didn't make it at all. And I used this exact same analogy almost 24 hours ago where I was just like, I have a crate full of vinyl from Taylor Swift because I was listening to Taylor Swift the other day and, you know, and Nirvana to Nirvana to like the March on Washington with Martin Luther King Jr. and other civil rights leaders at that time in, I think, 1963 or 64, something like that. I have a lot of different stuff in that box, in that crate that people will love. Because I actively try to pursue music. Speaking of pursuing music, hopefully Kendrick Lamar releases the date of his newest album on Sunday. He's performing at... The uh, the Super Bowl halftime show. I'm like, hopefully, I'm like, it's pretty great, pretty great time to do that. Speaking of Kendrick Lamar, or more specifically, hip hop, shout out to Snoop Dogg. Bought Death Row today instead of Suge Knight. That disgrace, absolute disgrace of an artist or boss or whatever his title was with Death Row. Anyways, Cleoso, awesome artist. I was listening to this before last night's podcast. I was getting myself hyped up for this. Not Cleo Soul um, and uh, her awesome album, Mother. I was listening to this track. Let me play it for you. All right, I'm done. But um, I don't know. I don't get it. I don't. I don't get why people always say music is dead. Music shouldn't. Like old music is good music or whatever. And it's just like let's just be honest. Your music is the best music because you want because you want to listen. Oh my god, I'm I'm already freaking getting it wrong. The reason why old people like their music is because they want to listen to the music that they grew up with. Specifically, the artists, the songs, they don't want the genre. They just want the artists and the songs, which is why you'll hear love. What is it? 
What is it? Love in RMB 9716. Show giving you the live, the best of soulful music or whatever. I, I've always heard of those tracks, and I'm just like, oh, you don't you don't just want to listen to new music and new artists. I hope I never get that way. I hope I never do. Anyways. We got some stuff. Like, I feel like I'm doing an intro after the intro. Pause it. Pause it. Like, let's just move on. <laughs> like, I, I can talk on. I can talk about music all day long. But I just, I fell in love with Cleo Soul. And also, um, Sakura Lee's Star Virgin, which is the first track that you, that was the first track off of that album. And I was just like, oh, this is, this is something pretty, so this is something pretty cool. Some pretty amazing anyways oh my god i've had like three or four different starts to the podcast today or really in the last couple of days because i was once again supposed to have a podcast on monday and that obviously did not happen but um there was like i'm like where should i begin this podcast you know i'll, I'll address roger goodell's comments really right now so if you didn't get the memo today roger goodell had his annual press conference meeting today with mj acosta ruiz and other media members i probably won't play you any of it because a i don't have it and i didn't listen back to it so i don't have the timestamps. it's about 40 minutes of vanilla paste um and him responding to very very hard and difficult questions in a vanilla paste like fashion so it's just like if he's not going to genuinely answer the questions, I will not genuinely play the response. Um, however, I want to talk about this in relation to the Brian Flores interview or not interview, but in relation to the Brian Flores lawsuit. Once again, Brian Flores, the former head coach of the Miami Dolphins, currently unemployed um, head coach or yeah, head, he, he was a head coach, you know, head coach that really didn't get hired once again in the hiring process and in the hiring cycle. Once again, he had the lawsuit. We went over it about a couple of days ago, literally probably, uh, maybe not a couple of days ago, like a week ago, where he aired out his grievances with the NFL. We went over it. We talked about it. And at the end, I drew the conclusion of he does have a case. Oh, scratch that. Hold on. Let me make this very, very clear. Not offering legal advice at all. Want to make sure. That's the case. My opinion. My opinion could be wrong. You should not listen to my opinion because I am not a lawyer. As I plug in my computer, hold on. Not a lawyer. Um, I don't have any law experience. I'd never studied political science in college, and I never passed a bar exam, and I'm not practicing law. Um, however, some of the evidence that he provides, specifically how the NFL literally like has admitted that they do have problems like executives high up, like assistance to Roger Goodell has, has admitted. Yeah. We kind of have a problem with not hiring black coaches. Like, I mean, that's an obvious admission. I don't want to say admission of guilt, but that's obviously an admission that the system is flawed. I mean, it's obvious. And then Roger Goodell even went on further to confirm that today by saying, yeah, we have multiple problems, but he kind of skated past a lot of the issues by saying, um, talk to my lawyer, which is, what they should have done to begin with. And they even walked back the initial statement that, um, that all of Brian Flores's claims 
were faulty. And it's just like the reason why I said at the beginning of the podcast that they could potentially open themselves up to actually losing out on some money for Brian Flores to have a case to what extent, I don't really know. But for all that stuff to be like true, or more specifically for Brian Flores to have a case, he got everything that he wanted. He got the commissioner saying, yeah, we have a problem with not hiring black coaches um, to be head coaches. They've had right-handed men of Roger Goodell, like the, uh, the, uh, the VPs of the NFL. They've gone in and they've been like, yeah, we have a problem and on and on and on. And it's just like Brian Flores' case continues to develop. Now, will he probably get money? I don't know. Will he? I, like, I don't know how to what extent he can actually get. I don't know. However, what I do know is that it's not as um, as easy and as just throwawayable as like, yeah, you know, Brian Flores just doesn't have this. And it's just like, no, he does actually have a case. I have a list of um, of NFL Combine players here. I don't know how many players. It's got to be like over 100. We'll get into it. We'll look at it. Again, when I come, I, I, I didn't actually, not again, because I didn't release the podcast. I literally got an hour into it and I was like, I'm tired. I'm going to sleep. I'll do this later. Here's the later. But um, I got the list of players. Should we cover this tomorrow? I want to cover this today. And then we'll look at some of the other players tomorrow as well. I don't know. We'll see. But yeah, the NFL didn't look once uh, good once again. I wanted to spend a couple of minutes on Roderick Dell and how terrible the NFL has handled the lawsuit with Brian Flores because, I mean, they just keep on opening themselves to liability and to potential damages. In my opinion, the opinion of somebody who is not informed and should not have my opinion be taken seriously whatsoever i have to say that i don't want to be legal or liable for anything i don't want my opinion to be stated as like you know as like advice or whatever and then i can be sued if somebody takes my advice or whatever and i don't want to seem like i'm a lawyer just my opinion anyways um kind of a new story that's developed over the last couple of days has been Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray, the quarterback of the Arizona Cardinals. Micah Parsons thinks that he's like a top six quarterback in the NFL, top five. Kyler has scrubbed all social media of the Arizona Cardinals off of his Instagram page. Some people think that that's passive aggressive. I think that's publicly passive aggressive like some people are like oh man he like why doesn't he talk to the cardinals i think he has talked to the cardinals this is just like an obvious forewarning to the public that something is going on what is going on shockingly enough i have no idea it's like no arizona cardinals it's like the arizona cardinals don't have any reporters it's like is anybody are people just eating Wheaties and Cheerios on their couch? Like, what's going on? What is anyone on the case? Has anyone tried to talk to Kyler? Anyone tried to reach out, call him up on the phone, say, "Hey, Kyler, what's going on?" I don't know. Nobody's talking to him. Nobody's talking to me. Let me take a swig of my water. Hold on. 
Oh my god. I I don't understand it. You know, I it's it's been going on for two days. I was actually gonna open up yesterday's show with it. Kyler is just not. It it looks like I mean he scrubbed all of his Arizona Cardinals posts. And may I remind you, Kyler is one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. A lot of people have come out in criticism over him. I don't really care if I'm 100% honest with you. I don't really care about the majority of the criticism that's been levied against Kyler Murray, if I'm 100% honest with you. I don't really care because the majority of the criticism of Kyler Murray is that he's short. That's why I don't care. I'm like, I don't care. It's like if your criticism of him is that he's short, it's just like a five-year-old could tell you he's short. Duh. But apparently, Kyler Murray has been having a lot of issues with the Cardinals reportedly. And this is some of the stuff that I could figure out. Nobody's covering it. I'll cover it. I think it's pretty freaking important that one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL is freaking like like he has a problem with his football team. I think it's pretty freaking important. Nobody's talking about it. It's Kyler Murray. Hello? Hello? I, I don't get it. I don't understand. But Kyler, right? Kyler scrubs his media, his his Instagram. He's like, I'm deleting every picture. It's like it's like when you break up with a girl. You delete all of your pictures of her. You delete her phone number. That's what Kyler just did. It's like he's going through a breakup right now. And I really don't know what's going on, but it's obvious that he has issues with the Arizona Cardinals. But the reality of the situation is, Kyler's up for a contract. Is it about money? Yeah, it obviously is. Now, apparently, and I... I'm trying to connect the dots as best as I possibly can. I'm not saying that this is a direct reason. I'm just saying I'm trying to connect the dots here, so bear with me on this. Hold on. Are the Lakers playing right now? I got the Golden State Warriors versus the Utah Utah Jazz. No, they're not. I was like, I want to watch the Lakers, but the Warriors right now, they're going up against the Utah Jazz. It's it's a close game, 31-31. 31-30, excuse me. Anyways, back to Kyler, right? So Kyler, he's sending up smoke signals. He's just like, I'm disgruntled. I'm disgruntled because of my contract reportedly. Now, apparently, the owner of the football team did not give the Arizona Cardinals, the coaching staff, their playoff bonuses. Now, if you don't know how this works, essentially, whenever your team makes the playoffs, Kind of like a Christmas bonus because of your performance. Your football team, specifically the you know the the football team that goes to the playoffs, the coaches they get a little bit of scratch sent their way for doing an excellent job in the regular season, right? Now, obviously, the Arizona Cardinals had a first round playoff elimination. The owner wasn't too happy about that. Apparently, he held up. Um, he held up their money. I still don't know if they got their money. To be honest with you, if I'm like 100% honest with you, I don't know why the owner's expectations were anything but that. Like at that point. Like to me at least. And the reason why I say that is that it was obvious that a lot of Kyler Murray's production and really his... Like I don't want to say his ability, 
because that's not really accurate. A lot of his, a lot of his, like, what's the word I'm looking for? I don't want to say production. I don't want to say his ability, but, and it really doesn't entail Kyler, but a lot of their passing attack, there we go, was via DeAndre Hopkins. And DeAndre Hopkins was hurt for like three, four, maybe five games. Kind of the last five to six games, really the last month and a half of the regular season. And then he was hurt in the playoff game. He couldn't play. And so the Cardinals, they did exactly what the Cardinals did. And then Kyler didn't play very well. And then bada bing, bada boom. It was like the Dak thing. It was like Dak had a bad game. Kyler had a bad game. You know, I didn't expect, I I expected Dak to win. I didn't expect Kyler to win. And so now, right, Kyler is now up for a contract. A new one, right? I think he's at the end of his rookie deal. They have to weigh his fifth-year option this year. Let me check. Let me check. Um, Yeah, he's going to enter into his fourth year. They're going to have to weigh his fifth-year option this year. Yeah, they are. But I mean, every single year he's gotten statistically better when it comes to his completion percentage. He was at 69%. He's never thrown for 4,000 yards, and that's because he's a part of the running game. But I mean, his passer rating skyrocketed. His touchdowns really hovered at the exact same, same at like 24, ironically enough. Let me kind of break down his regular season when it comes to his rushing here. Let me go to pro football reference here. What's his rushing overall over his career? His rushing. Let me try and find it. It's a weird statistic that they don't really track that well for quarterbacks. What's his rushing overall? Okay. It looks like he didn't get like over 100 yards, which kind of didn't expect but what are his touchdowns this year am I wrong about this yeah I'm wrong about this he only got three touchdowns in the running game and like maybe 300 yards yeah I was wrong about that I thought he was way more of a runner he's not I I don't get it I'm a little bit wrong about that never mind but anyways Kyler when it comes to like when it comes to his division and the NFC and the entirety of the um, of the NFL, I always refer to like Kyler as one of the better young up-and-coming quarterbacks in the NFL. And I always put this asterisk whenever I'm talking about the Cowboys. I always say like the NFC is wide open. The NFC North and the NFC South essentially don't have a dominant quarterback, right? If you want to count Aaron, sure, fine, Aaron. But Aaron may not be here in a couple of weeks. We'll kind of follow Aaron for the uh, the rest of this regular season. Tom just retired. There's nobody in the, the Drew Brees retired last year. There's nobody in the NFC South that's really a threat to the Cowboys, the Rams, the Cardinals and potentially the 49ers depending on how Trey Lance has developed. We'll kind of see you next year. We'll kind of see, right? But it's like if you're the Cardinals, you beat the Cowboys last year, you probably feel great, all that good stuff. And you only have to get, if, if it's like, if you get through your division as the Cardinals, you're golden, you know? More likely than not, you're going to the playoffs, and more likely than not, you're probably going to the to the divisional round past, you know, um, past this point. Unless you don't beat the Rams like you just did this year. 
But, I mean, yeah, there's not a lot of teams that the Cardinals have to worry about. But Kyler, Kyler looks to have some dysfunction with the football team. That's obvious. I saw this anonymous tweet. Let me sit down. I saw this anonymous tweet today by this non-blue check mark having person. I don't know how legitimate this is, but I don't think it actually came from an actual reporter, by the way. Let me try and see if I can't find it here for you. Hold on. Give me like two seconds. Hold on. Can I, I mean, I literally was like trying to find Kyler. Don't I have it? Hold on. Let me just try and like go through my browsing history and then type in Kyler Murray's name because I literally. Yeah, here we go. Bada bing, bada boom. Hold on. Uh, I'm not going to scroll anymore, but I'm, I'm just verifying because I don't really know who it was from. It was from a non blue check mark having person. So I don't know, like there's, there's reporters that also don't have blue check marks by the by. So it could just be like, oh yeah, you know, this person just who, um, this person is, you know, this person who's a not, who doesn't have a check mark, like, um, they're, yeah, they don't have a check mark, but they are like a legitimate reporter. So I'm trying to find that treat, tweet to make sure that it wasn't like an insider. But the tweet itself, as I keep scrolling, the tweet itself was about how Kyler wants like $50 million per year as a cowboy. Or not as a cowboy, but as a cardinal. Like, that was a tweet, and I can't find it. I've already scrolled too far down in my timeline. But that was, like, that was a tweet, right? Kyler wants $50 million. He wants $55 million. 24? Want my honest opinion about it? I would not be shocked, nor would I be surprised if that actually is true. I think think he wants record-setting and record-breaking money. I think he either wants to, he probably wants to be paid higher than Dak Prescott and Deshaun Watson. So that's somewhere in like 43, $44 million. And maybe he wants to be paid higher than Patrick Mahomes. So that would put him maybe not at the $50 million mark, but easily higher than Patrick. And keep in mind, right? Three years of Kyler, zero playoff wins, right? One playoff appearance. And so. I mean, for me personally, as a GM, I would get his contract over this year. I wouldn't even, I wouldn't hesitate to resign Kyler Murray. But the fact of the matter is, is that if you're like a greedy owner who doesn't really care about, you know, how good your player is versus how low and how little your team success has had, like it could be, a, it could get a little bit tricky, especially when you have owners that have, um, that have very, very big egos that are like, screw you, we're not paying you. Why would we pay you? You haven't done anything for us. There is that kind of dichotomy, unfortunately, in the NFL where it's just like you have people that are like, yeah, screw you. We don't want to pay you. 
It's like, okay. Okay. I'll make you pay later then. There's also been chatter about what teams Kyler Murray could go to. I don't really know what teams he could go to. Because I don't really know if a team... I don't know how... I don't know if this is like a legitimate report or not. And I'm speculating here. I'm not even reporting on anything. I don't want to say anything like that. But... I've constantly heard like Detroit fans like go bananas. B-A-N-A-N-A-S. Bananas. For like Kyler Murray, they're like, oh my God, I am so excited to get Kyler Murray down to like Detroit. I've heard, I mean, you like you literally, if you just Twitter search Kyler Murray, if you go on Twitter, if you search Kyler Murray, you will literally see fans freaking, um, freaking like literally just Photoshopping Kyler Murray into a bajillion different jerseys. And I don't know what is legitimate and what is not legitimate. I'm like, Hi, I'm I'm just speculating at this point to the point where it's just like I'm I'm essentially closing my eyes, spinning myself around three times, getting blindfolded. I'm supposed to throw a dart a hundred feet in the air, you know, while riding a unicycle while having my eyes closed on blindfolded. Like it's just there's just too much uncertainty with what's going on. I can't figure shit out. I can't figure anything out. So Kyler, I, I love Kyler. I've said it before. I'll say it again. I'm from Texas. I love Kyler Murray. Great Texas quarterback. I mean, here's another one. Here's another Photoshop of Kyler in a freaking Tampa Bay Buccaneer old retro uni. I love Kyler. I love him. I don't think he's bad. I think he just needs help. He needs offensive line help and he needs help at wideout. And he probably needs a better running back. So, sorry for all the James Conner fans. Let me show you something. Everybody's going to be like, uh, James Conner, a lot of yard, a lot of touchdowns. Let me show you something. Let me show you something. A lot of yards, right? He had 752 yards, bro. He had 3.7 yards per carry. He was terrible. He was terrible. Some people are going to tell me, oh, he had 15 touchdowns, which is a lot. Granted, it is a lot. Did he have a game over 100 yards this season? No, he did not. So you could definitely say, okay, offensive line needs to improve. 15 touchdowns is great. It's phenomenal. It's what Pittsburgh wanted of him. I think all of that is true. I think he had a great season when it came to the touchdowns, but he needs he need like he needs to have more yards as a running back. And he needs to be more productive, especially for getting 202 carries, 752 yards, 3.7 yards per carry. He was a huge part of their offense and he didn't and he wasn't productive at all. What do you want? I I d I don't understand it. Anyways. Um Kyler may be gone. I'll have more more information kind of on that as we kind of get through that. Let me show you something interesting. I was watching first take. I wasn't watching first take. I was watching Stephen A. Smith get iced up by J.J. Reddick again. J.J. Reddick can never go on that show ever again. Oh, my God. He can never go on that show ever again because he always gets 
blasted, or excuse me, he always blasts Stephen A. Smith to the point where they <laughs> they just announced first take did. They were like, hey, you know, Stephen A. Smith got his butt cheeks clapped so badly on national television by J.J. Reddick that we're going to have somebody else. Who was it? Who did they say was going to come in and be the replacement? They're like... <laughs> They're trying to find a replacement for the replacement. They're like, well, we fired or not fired. You know, we we moved Max Kellerman off of first take. So now we're going to get Chris Mad Dog Russo. Why is he called Mad Dog? Is he like a New York City radio guy, right? I have no idea who that is. Chris, never heard of Chris Russo. Who is that guy? Chris Russo. Okay, so he was like, he's like a New York City, you know, he's a new, okay, I was like, I was reading his wiki, his Wikipedia page, and I was just like, oh, he's like a New York City guy. What was their first discussion about? Now I'm just curious about this. First take has just become like such a shit show, man. It's just like people who don't want to debate debating with somebody who obviously wants to debate but isn't very good at it and (laughs) I'm like somebody who obviously wants to debate but isn't very good at it so you have people be like I like I'm just here because the boss told me to be here and I don't really want to be here but I have to be here because you got your partner fired from um his latest job so there you go god their YouTube channel is fucking dead. Holy shit. It has 8 million subscribers on it. Like, all of their videos can't even break 3K or 10K. Like, there's so many videos that just aren't... There Are their ratings seriously down? Like, everybody kept on saying for years that ESPN's ratings were down, and I didn't believe it whatsoever. But now it's just like, I look at how many views they get. I mean, their views are down online. Maybe not, like on television but holy fuck man they 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 on their best stuff they don't get 100k views wow my god and then they don't even release the stuff that's the most popular like they don't even they don't even release like uh the mad dog stuff Well, that's sad for whoever has to run that. <laughs> I'm like, whoever has to run that, that freaking site or not site, but that, um, that freaking channel. It's just like, he's just like, I'm starving for content, bro. Our views are not up at all, but it's just like, it's ESPN. They'll get views regardless. Let me see this. I'm trying to find it. Is this it? Is this the video? I want to hear, like, a couple of minutes of this exchange. Again, I I've, I haven't watched, like, an episode of First Take in years. Hold on. Let me see this. God. I'm, like, I'm on Sports Illustrated's page. And it's, like, they have so much shit just trying to load. Like, they're, like, we have to load all of our advertisements. 
Okay, here we go. Uh, okay, I don't, I don't care about this. Do they have the clip of them arguing, or is this just like? Okay, I guess not, because I keep, I'm just getting a bunch of white, <laughs> getting like a white page, and nothing is loading right now. I'm like, this is not a, not a good thing at all. Jesus Christ. Do they not have it? But they posted, they literally posted the article that I'm looking at that my eyes are like begging me to get off because they don't have a dark mode. They can run three advertisements at the exact same time, but they can't even fucking figure out how to put a dark mode on their website. Oh my God, that was so straining on my eyes. Did they not have a discussion about this? Where the fuck? I keep seeing this clip. I keep seeing this clip. Or this thumbnail, but they don't give me the fucking clip. Okay, here we go. I can just go, I can just look this up. I was just like, do people have this or did they not post it or I don't know. They posted it. I I guess I just didn't find it. This is taking me forever to find like one video that I'm probably only gonna play five minutes of, but it will be worth it. Where is it? Hold on. This is two weeks ago, so I'm guessing they just reused footage from two weeks ago, which is why I couldn't find it. Just like, oh my god. Like, First Take never talks about baseball. They never talk about... they Like, First Take is a basketball show that, like, masquerades as a base... As, like, a... um. Excuse me, it... First take is a football show. Oh my god, I'm already screwing. I've screwed this up like eight times. First takes of is a basketball show that's like masquerading around. Is like, oh, we'll talk about all sports all the time. Like this is kind of a football show, but we're we're gonna talk about basketball here in like a couple of days because I'm I've literally watched basketball like almost every single night for the last month. Anyways, um, here's I'm just playing this from the start of the video. Here's Mad Dog Russo and Stephen A. Smith going at it. All while Stephen A. Smith, who never represented Kobe Bryant ever, is wearing a Kobe. Oh, it was because of uh, it was the two year anniversary of his death. Okay. Look at the numbers. If you look at Barry Bonds, you trying to tell me he wasn't a Hall of, Famer? A Hall of Famer? He was. A, oh, that, well, that's what we're talking about. That's what we're talking about. Uh, why we're is talking there about, an integrity uh, issue uh, when uh, you're uh, there? Wait a minute. Wait. I'll get that with the integrity. Stop it. Stop, stop it. Excuse me. The brother was performing. You were watching. I don't recall you missing any San Francisco oh. Giants games. I don't recall I you. Hold, hold, excuse me. I don't recall you. Holy shit. <laughs> Holy shit. Holy oh, God. So that's that. That's the new show. That's the new show. I want to kill myself. <laughs> oh my god, that was so bad. It's like it's just like oh, it's just like the oldest. I, like Charles Barkley. I'm not a big fan of Charles Barkley, but like Charles Barkley said something so wise and so insightful one time. He was just like, if you're one of these media members that like talks about Michael Jordan versus LeBron James, then you're a hack and you're a shill and you like, you're not a good, you know, sports analyst or, you know, a good entertainer. Right. And it's just like talking about whether or not baseball players that did steroids should be in the hall of fame. 
is like talking about Michael Jordan versus LeBron. It's just like LeBron's one of the best basketball players of all time, potentially one of the greatest of all time. And Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens, who undoubtedly did steroids, should be in the Hall of Fame. But it's, it's, it's cheating. It's cheating. Everybody cheats. Everybody cheats. It, what about the, like, I love how Mad Dog Russo literally was like, like it, what about the integrity of the game? Who cares? Who cares? Are you going to take away the trophies? Are we not going to say that other baseball players didn't cheat? Oh, my God. Who cares? Everybody in the 90s was probably juicing. A lot of people in the 2000s were probably juicing. This isn't like, I mean, we're not five-year-olds, you know, waiting for the tooth fairy to come at the end of the night to collect our our teeth and to give us a $25 or 25 cents, excuse me. Just like, this is ridiculous. Stop being children. I'm tired just listening to that. Oh, my God. Get that off my fucking screen. He cheated. Uh, who cares? The Astros cheated. I, I don't care. I don't care that much that they cheated. I just care that they pretend that they didn't and that they want to pretend like they're a great baseball team. And I'm like, you're not a great baseball team. You're not Barry Bonds. Barry Bonds was great, but he also cheated. There's a difference. It's like the Astros cheated. They got some good players. They're not as great as they think they are. Anyways. What was I talking about? Oh, yeah. First take and how shitty it is. <laughs> oh, my God. And how J.J. Redick posted up Stephen A. Smith and absolutely iced him out. And then you have Ryan Clark. First, like, I, I, I did not get into any of this. Didn't get into any of this. And the reason why is that I was just like, dude. I have better shit to do than to follow first take all day. I will say this. I was following the Ryan Clark situation. Ryan Clark, former Pittsburgh Steeler, former um, piece of shit, if you ask me. I didn't realize he had so many, like, dirty, dirty hits that, like, we would, that we would absolutely outlaw that, not we would outlaw, but have been outlawed in the NFL, like, just hit, just like asshole hits. We're just like, oh yeah, you're an asshole. You're you're hitting a a defenseless receiver when he can't even protect himself. When the ball's not even in the air. When the ball's down. Yeah. Okay. When the ball is down. Hold on. Let me. I'm watching this video right now. Of probably Ryan Clark hits. Okay. No, not of probably Ryan Clark hits. Of, like, the hardest hits with James Harrison and Ryan Clark. And I'm, like, trying to find it. There were so many times. It's so weird to watch, like, James Harrison. Not even James Harrison, but, like, old football where, like, players would literally try and hit other players in the helmet. Like, I'm watching, like, James Harrison lower his helmet like a bull and absolutely destroy this running back for the Denver Broncos and concuss him. I'm just like, oh, my God. Yeah, he's concussed. He's 1,000% concussed. It's so weird to watch football now. It's like I can't even watch football past, like, or not past, but, like, before, like, 2010. That's a good hit. That's a legal hit. Unless he, like, hit him in his face. He probably did. Again, I'm watching, like, highlights right now of how disturbingly hard. There he goes. Yeah. Oh, no. Is that a legal hit? I don't know. You probably have no idea. Not probably. You definitely. I'm trying to, like, look and see if Ryan Clark hit this guy. Oh, no. He didn't hit him in his head. The Vikings receiver just has to 
hold on to the freaking football. Anyways, Ryan Clark, notable douchebag, went on get up. What was it? Two days ago. He had this to say about Russell Wilson. I will play you probably all of it. Ironically enough, ESPN did not post it anywhere. Maybe I missed it. Probably not. Here we go. It's broken. Hold on. I'm like, it's broken. Hold on. It's super easy to find. It was everywhere. Boom. I got it again. Here we go. Russell Wilson is a very good football player. Russell Wilson is a really good quarterback. Russell Wilson's not a great quarterback. Russell Wilson is not an all-time great quarterback. He's never going to be in those conversations. And so we have to stop putting him in those in, in that world, in that world that any team that has Russell Wilson can win a Super Bowl. This is kind of like Big Ben's trajectory, but I think Big Ben was a better football player where Big Ben wins too when the defense is great and when they have a run game and, and when you li you limit turnovers and then when he gets the killer bees, this offense is high flying. He's one of the best players in the football game and you don't win a championship. And so Richard Sherman is kind of just pointing to philosophy, not necessarily what Russell Wilson is as a quarterback. He's pointing to the way that they've won. But we have to stop including Russell Wilson in these talks that if Russell Wilson goes here, does this team win a Super Bowl? If Russell Wilson goes here, does this team win a Super Bowl? This isn't basketball. And frankly, Russell Wilson actually isn't that great. He isn't that much of a factor that changes who football teams are. And so now we're thinking to ourselves, is he an upgrade over the quarterback we have? And can he make us a better team? And that's not every team in the NFL. That's one of the dumbest, stupidest hot takes I've ever heard in my entire life. Literally everybody on Twitter was clowning him because, and then he wanted to make it about race. Like, um, like he was talking about how black people were talking about how they'd essentially labeled him as an uncle Tom. And it's just like, that's not the majority of what people said, Ryan, let's be honest. Um, what the majority of people, what they were talking about was essentially how like essentially Ryan Clark and the fine folks at get up had absolutely nothing to talk about so they were like huh, well uh, like let's make some shit up and let's say russell wilson isn't like one of the greatest why uh not wide receivers but quarterbacks in the nfl i have his statistics here to prove it to you but before i get into his, his statistics right so pretty much since around 2015 2016 the entire structure of the football team has been structured around him or more specifically, their entire success has been around him. He has been the um, the main arbiter of success and defeat for the for the Seattle Seahawks. They went on what like a I don't know how many years they went to the playoffs, but I think they've only missed the playoffs twice and had I think one losing season since he got there. But Russell Wilson isn't an all-time great quarterback. And it's just like you look at his touchdown and interception ratio. He's like 31, 32, right? He's 33. He'll be 34 this year. He already has like 292 touchdowns, almost 300, right? He has 87 interceptions, which the touchdown and interception ratio of Russell Wilson is insane. He has 37,000 yards, and that's primarily because his team doesn't want to throw it that much. They want to run it a bajillion times. Why? I don't know. 
but then his completion percentage is through the roof and his wins. He's like one of the most winningest quarterbacks in the NFL in the history of the sport. He has the most wins in 10 years besides Peyton Manning. It's just like Ryan Clark is categorically wrong and he's categorically stupid. I don't even have the energy to fight and, uh, and exclaim like really, really loudly. Like, girl, I'm not going to have this fake outrage about it. I'm like, like you're dumb. Obviously. Just like every single year he has to carry his football team. His only pro bowler on his football team besides Dwayne Brown and DK is Bobby Wagner. That's it. No offensive line really to speak of. And Dwayne Brown really isn't that good anymore. To be honest with you, that kind of started last year. Followed through into this year. He's not that good as a left tackle. He's not that good. He's not that good. He's a name. Everybody knows the name. He's not a good left tackle. No corners. One linebacker. No pass rushers. No uh, no offensive line. No running backs. Right? Poor coaching. Terrible coaching. He overcomes bad coaching. Bad offensive line. Bad scheme offensively. No running game. Terrible defense. And he... Somehow, for the most part of the better part of half a decade, has found a way to win enough games to consistently qualify for the playoffs. He has one bad season. And a bad season being relative, because the team technically had a bad season, but not him as a football player. He had a great season. He had 25 touchdowns, 6 interceptions. He was hurt. But... Narrative comes out, oh, oh. this team doesn't go to the playoffs. He must suck. And it's just like, God. Says the dirty, 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 disgusting football player in Ryan Clark who absolutely took out dudes, dudes freaking in, like took out dudes like Wes Welker over the middle. I mean, everybody, that freaking clip has gotten just around the NFL consistently. Dude wasn't even involved in the plan. Ryan Clark was like, yeah, yeah, man, I'm going to take his ass out. Took out Wes Welker in a football game. If you don't know the play that I'm talking about, Wes Welker is going across the middle. He's a defenseless receiver. He doesn't have the football. The foot, he wasn't even the target. Ryan Clark fucking lowered his dumbass helmet and fucking decapitated him. Decapitated him. And by decapitating, I don't mean that literally. I mean that he caused him to have a severe concussion. And it's just like watching these uh, these old Steeler games. It's just like, oh, like the reason why you guys were quote unquote the hardest hitting football team in the um, in the NFL is because you fucking just constantly hit players in the head. Like, over and over and over again. Even on, like, this play, right? This is against the Baltimore Ravens. I love it when a guy like Bart Scott will bitch and complain that the Cincinnati Bengals were, they ran up the score against us. They ran up the score against us. Like, they, he complained about how the Cincinnati Bengals, like, ran up the score against him. And meanwhile, it's like Baltimore is known for beating the shit out of the Cleveland Browns and the, um, and the freaking, I got a burp. Baltimore is like, has like destroyed the Cincinnati Bengals and the Cleveland Browns for like the better part of two decades. And it's like, meanwhile, I get these freaking clips of Ryan Clark just running literally head first 
into wideouts. He just ran headfirst into like a Baltimore Ravens wide receiver. Then he ended up hurting himself. He's like, let me just go after this guy in the helmet. That's big boy football. Yeah. I'm a violent guy. I'm a big, strong guy. Let me hit another guy in the helmet. Let me cause another guy CTE. There's another CTE right there. Jesus Christ. Anyways. What a surprise. Ryan Clark. Fuck. I, 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 I don't like Ryan Clark at all. He's like. He's so corny. <laughs> I like he's so corny. God. He is so fucking corny. Did I talk about Snoop Dogg and how he owns Death Row? I think I did at the beginning, but I'm just tired. God. You know what sucks? I've said for fucking years. I've said for years. Wait, do I have the game? Oh, yeah, I do. I didn't know. If you don't know what I'm talking about, Doris Burke is making history tonight with Beth Mowens and Lisa Salters as I think the first all-female, all-women NBA broadcast Jazz versus Warriors. I always have my TV on mute because I was, and I didn't, and they never um, put on uh, like a close-up shot of Doris. I've always said this. I'm like, listen, Doris is better, is a better analyst. I've said this unironically. I'm like, listen, I would rather have Doris Burke and Al Green cast the um, the NBA Finals than Jeff Van Gundy and whatever and whatever his name is, the other guy, the guy that's like, I hate gay people, whatever his name is. Mark Gundy, Mark Gundy, whatever his name is. I don't know his name. But I'm like, yes, I would rather have Doris Burke because she's a better analyst. I'd, uh, God, I don't know why. They have wet noodles and wet potatoes on um, their broadcast instead of Doris Burke. I, I don't understand it. Anyways. God, speaking of wet noodles and wet potatoes saw the pro bowl this week and I'm not even going to spend too much time on it because everybody's already called for the cancellation of the pro bowl. I will throw my name in the hat as well. God, God, man, it's been bad. Um, if you don't have, I'm again, I, like everybody's talked about it and I feel kind of corny with how late I've been on this. I haven't watched the pro bowl in like two years specifically because Last year, they didn't have it, and the year before that, I was traveling, so I didn't watch it, so I haven't watched it in two years. I'm probably not going to watch it again for another 20 years, because yikes, it is fucking terrible. You know, Mike Villani of one, not 105.3, 97.1 ticket, the ticket, he's kind of called for the Pro Bowl for the last couple of years. He's been like, yeah, like this is something that fans and media and players have outgrown and it needs to be canceled. And I 1000% agree. It was like two hand touch. It was terrible. It was God awful. It was two hand touch football. Essentially. Like the first play besides Kyler Murray almost throwing an interception was essentially of them just like wrapping up each other and the whole point was just like hey don't bring them down to the ground the the only cool thing about that that was kind of interesting was um the love affair that now the nfl 
media and NFL fans have started to have with Mac Jones. Let me pull some stuff up, but I also have to turn off my, my, um, what is it? What's it? My candle heater thing. Hold on. Are they going? I'm, I'm looking at, I'm watching the, uh, the jazz and the warriors right now. And I was just like, are they going to give me a shot of Doris Burke? No, they're not. No, they're not. Let me also turn this thing off. Hold on. So, let me play. Let me find this clip of like Mac Jones yelling at Micah Parsons to slow down. The NFL completely forgot to monetize this video, so I don't know why. Thank God. Where is it? He's like yelling at Micah Parsons. Hold on. For like yelling, for like hitting Deontay Johnson. Hold on. Where is it? Mac Jones was like talking to a lot of players. Like, hold on. This is him talking to like a lot of defensive players for for the NFC. Mac Jones, Patriots quarterback, AFC quarterback, by the way. Here's him like talking crap to Devin White and like Javon Hargrave and a bunch of other players. Hold on. Let me fade it in. Five-yard drive to give the AFC a 34-21 lead. That's as good as it gets right there as far as ball placement. Where were you at? Where were you at the whole drive? The whole drive. The whole drive you were were playing on your phone. What's up, bro? Remember when I torched y'all in training camp? It was like training camp when I torched y'all. Yeah. Who was y'all last training camp? No way. When I went in? Yeah. Bro, that was good. Yeah. Stop lifting so many weights. He's just talking crap to a bunch of, you know, potential future Hall of Fame. Like, he's talking to Devin White, to Big Play Slay. Just talking crap. Mac Jones is a boy quarterback. Mac Jones, he's terrible. Let me find the play. I want to find the play where... Here it is. Is this it? No, that's not it. I'm trying to find the play where Micah absolutely... Here it is, right? Yeah, here it is. Here it is. Here it is. Micah Parsons absolutely comes in, shoves the shit out of Deontay Johnson, gets him to the ground. Check this out. It's a little bit after this. All right. Yo! Gun, donkey right, three jet, Z deep cross on one. Right from the right. Green 18. Good that. Here it is. Jones will give it to Taylor down, flip it to Deontay Johnson on the reverse, running left outside the number. <laughs> and Micah Parsons makes the tackle. Knocks Deontay Johnson down. Speed up a little. Speed up a little. That's Micah. Or that's Mac talking to Micah. Easily the best thing about the Pro Bowl is the mic'd up part. But oh my God. It was like. God. I. Oh my God. I've seen some shitty football this year. Most of it in college. I've seen a. I've seen one bad NFL game, and that was Pittsburgh versus Detroit. That made my eyes bleed. And then it was the Pro Bowl. I'm like, I. I would rather, oh my, I would rather do so many other things and watch, than watch that shit ever again. Oh my God. That was, holy shit. That was so bad. That game.
Shout out to Mackie J for being one of the coolest quarterbacks in the NFL this year. One of the best. I'm tired. Oh, my God. Pro Bowl was so bad. <laughs> it was so bad this year. Oh, my God. It was unbelievably terrible. All right. Let's, let's also hit on some other stuff here. Let's talk about head coaching hires. Let me stand up for this. I'm going to get a little bit irked here. So, today, not even today, really, for how long? How long have we talked about head coaching hires? The last month and a half, really, since word got on got out on the street that a lot of guys were essentially about to be fired. So, essentially, I had come out and I had said, look, um, I'm not happy with... Um, a lot of the head coaches that were hired in the last year. And this is the opportunity with nine head coaches being fired. This is an opportunity to re essentially replace about a third of the league. You know? And then I said three names. Kellen Moore, Brian Lefwich. Not Todd Bowles. Eric Bieniemy. Hold on. Hold on. Doris is talking. Hold on. Hold on. I'm not going to lie to you. I could watch this. I don't know why this isn't their main broadcast. I'm not going to lie to you. It's 20 times better. It's way more fun. It's way more informative. Sounds better. Looks better. It's just better than like, I love TNT's broadcast. I don't like ESPN's broadcast. I don't like... The broadcast, the guys that they have for the NBA Finals, they suck. They're terrible. I don't get it. All right, sorry. So boring. Anyways, um, head coaches, right? Talked about head coaches for about a month and a half. Talked about the three names, Kellen Moore, Brian Lefwich, Eric Bieniemy, are my three guys. I said, hey, these are the three guys. There's not, there's... Not enough jobs for these three guys, right? So if your team gets one of these guys, if your team needs a head coach, you're in luck. I also kind of threw in Doug Peterson. Good job, Jags. It's like a name that I would be okay with. And I have another name that I'm like okay with as well. The majority of the other teams had failed. I have two names on my journal that I wrote that I like. And then I have seven names that I don't like. Okay. We'll go over every single name. First and foremost, Raiders, Joss McDaniels. I hate it. I hate it. So I guess we just don't learn anything from Romeo, uh, Romeo Cornell, Bill O'Brien, Eric Mangini, Joss McDaniels in Denver, and recently Matt Patricia. And what we should learn is that Patriot officials patriot executive patriot coaches they never fare as good when they leave new england they never do the only one that's kind of subverted that expectation a little bit and that hasn't been like an absolute dumpster fire train wreck was ironically enough brian flores and even then i was just like i don't like him because he's not in on two and i think two was actually kind of a good quarterback but he's not getting any support from his team As I, like, crack my hands. 
But it's like the Raiders rehiring a guy. Well, what is what is Josh McDaniels proved? What has he proved? I love his offense. I don't think he has the capability to be a head coach in the NFL. I really don't. Yeah, he's a Patriot guy. Yeah, would I not hire a guy that was a New England Patriot? Of course I wouldn't hire. I I don't understand it. I, I really don't. But I mean, it's such a Raiders move to go out and get Josh McDaniels and I think another Patriot assistant. So now it's like, this is the most frustrating thing I've like had to experience for like the last decade plus uh, as I've kind of come into my own as like a sports analyst, right? Where I've had to see like team after team essentially make the exact same mistake as all these other teams that are like, we're going to hire ex-Patriot guy. We're going to hire Romeo Cornell. We're going to hire Bill O'Brien. We're going to get Matt Eberflus. We're going to get, maybe not Matt Eberflus. He's a Colts guy. We'll talk about him in a couple minutes as well. But we're, we're getting all these guys that were former Patriot officials. And then we're going to get Patriot execu- executives, excuse me, to install the Patriot way. And then the Patriot way sucks because it's the Bill Belichick way. It's the Bill Belichickian way, not the Patriot way. It's like you see that all the time with coaches. You see how much they fail. Case in point, Josh McDaniels on his second try and his first try was disastrous. And apparently, I think they hired a former Patriot assistant to pair with Josh McDaniels. Let me tell you something. This Raiders draft is going to be very, very interesting. It's going to be very interesting. I thought that the Raiders already didn't draft because I believe Mike Mayock did not have as much control over the... um, over the draft that was um, that was as let on, which is why I was just like, look, um, probably going to fire both of them at the end of the season, specifically John Gruden. Um, allegations or not, he was his second stint with the Raiders was horrifyingly bad. But Mike Mayock, um, especially, you know, I don't know what he's doing, but I didn't like necessarily um, some of the things that they did. But I mean, they also got Unique Ngakwe, which is a great acquisition for them. But didn't like their draft. I'm very interested to see what they'll do this time around. Will they go out and get another wide receiver? Where are they drafting? Where are the Raiders drafting again? Let me refresh my memory. Like, where, where are you drafting again, Las Vegas? Let me check. Let me check this out. Let me, let me see what you where you guys are drafting here. Where are you drafting, Raiders? Where are you drafting? As I, like, close some of this stuff up, hold on. They've got to be drafting around, like, 19 to 20. They didn't qualify for the playoffs. Yeah, it's, like, 22nd overall. I'm doing a mock draft simulator. So now I'm also, like, looking at the actual... Oh, my God. I Hold on. I, like, accidentally press to go back as I got like a bunch of draft offers here hold on but they're drafting like 22nd overall let me see how many um let me see where cool let me see who you got so you're the Raiders right essentially there's a lot of great picks for you at this situation as it's close to the Cowboys and I've been following the Cowboys situation as well 
And the Cowboys are going to have a lot of really, really awesome draft picks as well. You got N'Kobe Dean. You got Jordan Davis, the defensive tackle out of Georgia. N'Kobe Dean also the linebacker out of uh, Georgia as well. Trevor Penning, the left tackle out of Northern Iowa. Kyer Alam, cornerback out of Florida, who I really liked for some weird reason. Traylon Burks is still there. I don't think that'll happen. Trevon Walker, that's impossible. <laughs> I'm like, that's impossible that he's still there. How's Malik Willis at 36? Okay, PF um, Pro Football Network, fix your draft simulator and your evaluations, all right? I swear up and down for, as I like sit back down, I swear up and down for this freaking system, for this site, and it's just like their evaluations are just off. Like this, this is incorrect. This is incorrect. Where are your wide receivers? David Bell, Jahan Dotson fell. What? He's like, he's like a, he's like a high second. He's a low second rounder. Yikes. What's going on? What is going on? Anyways, you have actual picks, right? You have pretty decent picks. Apparently pro football network says that you can get Traylon Burks. I don't think you can. If you're the Raiders. You can get one of the better tackles and Trevor Trevor Penning guards. Where do they have the guard out of Texas A&M? And is he a top 10 pick? He should be. Mm. He is. Akeem Aquanu went 21st overall to the Patriots. That's incorrect. He is. Yeah, he's a top 10 pick. Kenyon Green out of A&M. Their draft board is everywhere. Point is, if you're the Raiders, you have options. Your team shouldn't be able to screw it up um, because of how many good options you are. Watch watch out if they do. Also, isn't Derek Carr's contract over or up this offseason, if I'm not mistaken? If I'm not mistaken. Let me, uh, where's the players? Oh, here we go. There's his contract. Derek Carr. Contract. Yeah, it's up after next season. You got to essentially re-sign him this season or franchise tag him or trade him or let his ass go. Interestingly enough, what's the Raiders cap space? Next year, it's $20 million. Interestingly enough, right? Colton Miller, yikes. They, oh my God, they extended Colton Miller. Yikes. Holy shit. They extended Colton Miller, who was like not, not very good for like three years. And now it's just like he played well for one year. I didn't really watch a lot of the Raiders. Then they signed Alex Leatherwood, and I was just like, yikes. But, um, sorry about that. But, um, they have $20 million in available cap space. You could if you wanted to because, you know, they're like word on the street is that Dallas is not very happy with Amari Cooper. And so they're like, yeah, we'll, we'll trade Amari Cooper this season. Like that's word on the street this offseason, right? He's a $20 million cap hit. Why? Why is he that much money? Like even back then, I was just like, you're overpaying for Amari Cooper. Because you didn't pay properly for Amari Cooper. But um, 
his, he's I mean he's extended until 2024. His cap number this year is 22 million. God, Dallas, why? Why? Why would you do that? <laughs> like, why would you do that, Dallas? They gave him a hundred. They gave him a hundred million dollars. God damn it, Jerry Jones, you suck. You suck as a GM. You really do. Five years, 20 million? What the fuck is wrong with you? Or five years, 100 million, excuse me. Like, God damn, man. But the Raiders, they need a number one wide receiver. The Cowboys are probably looking to get rid of Amari. Cowboys can save $16 million against the cap. We'll see. But the long and the short of it is with the Raiders pick at head coach, I hated Josh McDaniels. Why would you do that to me? Why? 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 I don't know. I don't know why. But they did it to me. And now look at them. They suck. But that's that's not a surprise. Maybe not they suck, but they hired somebody who I think is going to contribute to them sucking. Bears with Matt Eberflus. This was a pick that I was just terrified when I saw it. I was just like, it's such a Bears thing to do to pick a defensive coordinator <sighs> for head coach. I'm just exhausted by the stupidity of the Chicago Bears. Their inability to obviously see the trends of the NFL and to mold their football team around the trends of the NFL and once again, here we are with the Chicago Bears getting a defensive-minded head coach instead of a offensive-minded head coach who can help develop Justin Fields. And everybody in Chicago is just like, oh, my God, we're excited. Oh, you got to give him a shot. And it's just like, cool, you know, give him a shot if you want to. But, um, but um, you know, don't talk to me when – Frickin' you guys just suck once again for the upteenth time. I'm just, I am so, 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 so unbelievably annoyed with Chicago and how stupid they are in hiring Matt Eberflus to be their head coach after, once again, Brian Lefwich, Eric Bieniemy, Kellen Moore were all available for them as well as Freaking, um, like, like, like they weren't, none of them were hired. Sorry. None of them were hired. And it's just like, you guys, you motherfuckers couldn't make an actual hiring, a good hiring to save your freaking lives. You couldn't do it. God. Matt Eberflus, terrible hire. We've talked about it. Terrible hire. How's he going to help Justin Fields? Justin Fields, I got to talk about this. Justin Fields, I took off my glasses because I'm just I'm just so tired of Chicago being such a shitty organization. Justin Fields needs help when it comes to offensive schemes, offensive play calling, his mentality. He does not freaking slide. I have no idea why it is not a red fucking flag 
like the biggest red flag that he gets hurt in like three, what is it? Three, like three times in one year? It's hurt three times. And it's like people want to be like, oh yeah, this is normal. No, it's not. It's abnormal. He's a rookie. He got hurt three or two times. He was out. Like what? I don't understand it. I, I really don't. They need an offensive coordinator. They need an offensive-minded head coach. And they needed a good one. And look at look at, like look at what happened. They're gonna roll with another defensive mind. I can't wait to shit on the Bears next year. I can't wait to shit on the Bears. I can't wait to dunk on the Bears for the next three years. I can't wait to laugh once again at the McCaskies, laugh in their face, as I've done for the majority of my life. Excuse me, I cried with the McCaskies. Now I laugh at the McCaskies because the McCaskies are one of the worst ownership groups in America. I hate the McCaskies. I hate the Bears. Hey, Bears, stick a fat one up your butt and shut up. Anyways, Broncos hired Nathaniel Hackett. Interesting development out of the Broncos. Apparently, the owners are putting the team up for sale, and apparently there are some people that are very interested in it. But um, I don't know why they – I don't know how you can hire people when the owner – like, like here's the head-scratching thing, right? Like, let's say I'm the owner of a football team, right? And my team just hired a bunch of people. Like, if I just bought a business and if the business was like, we're going to hire all these people, these new people to be your employees, I would feel some type of way about it. I'm like, um, let me uh, – let me – let me interview some of these guys. Let me kind of talk some of these guys, right? Like, I would feel some type of way about it, you know? But the Broncos, they hired Nathaniel Hackett, and I hate it again relative. Like, look, there's some guys who I know are calling the plays, and then there's some guys that aren't, right? I know I know they aren't calling the plays. Nathaniel Hackett is not calling the plays. He's not the play caller. He's not the play designer. That's Matt LaFleur, the offensive coordinator. Excuse me, the head coach of that football team. He calls the plays. It's not Nathaniel Hackett. He calls the plays. And then on top of that, right, I didn't like the plays that Matt LaFleur called. Like, I'm like, they're way too reliant on Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams to just run around and make plays for them. And they are way too reliant on Aaron Jones. Like, once you stop the run and once you contain Devontae Adams, the Packers are a relatively easy team to beat as evident by the 49ers. Like, they're just really easy. They're a really, really simple team to beat. I hated their offense. I've hated it for years. Regardless of how successful they've been, I've hated it. And now it's just like, oh, yeah, we're just going to hire the guy that wasn't responsible for the um, the worst offense in the NFL, claiming that – maybe not the worst offense in the NFL, excuse me, but we're going to hire the guy who everybody claims is like – you know, this offensive guru, this genius of an offense that I hated. I'm like, I hated the offense of the Packers. Hated it. And they hired the guy that they claim is responsible for. And I'm like, I hate, like, I hate it. I hate the hire Broncos. And then they're going to have to get a quarterback. That's another thing. I hate the hire. Not a big fan of it. God. I didn't like it. Didn't like it. One hire that I did like was the Vikings. With Kevin O'Connell or Kevin O'Coyley, I'm, I'm just going to call him Kevin O'Connell until he wins football games. 
Kevin O'Connell, the new head coach of the Minnesota Vikings, the reason why he's not on my list of people that I liked, that I wanted, and the reason why I like him as a head coach is he's from the Shanahan tree. Or not the Sh- Yeah, he is from the Shanahan tree because Sean McVay is from the Shanahan tree. Or more specifically, I like the Sean McVay tree. I don't really like the Shanahan tree. But I like him because he was, you know, once again, another offensive coordinator from Sean McVay that got a head coaching job. You know, if you're a quarterback coach or if you're an offensive coordinator, you'll get a job. Unless you're black, of course. Unless you're black. But um, Kevin O'Connell, offensive coordinator for the Rams. And look, I'm not going to be a hypocrite. I don't like offensive coordinators who don't call plays. I don't like it. But the thing about... Kevin O'Connell, but not even the thing about Kevin O'Coley or Connell, but the thing about the Rams offensive coordinators to begin with is that for some weird reason, they always develop into great head coaches. You're not great head coaches, but good head coaches or good enough head coaches in some cases. I don't really like Zach Taylor. If I'm 100% honest with you, Zach Taylor's in the Super Bowl. A lot of that is on Joe Burrow, but then I kind of look at the team and I'm like, They've kind of done a lot with a little bit. I'm not in love with, you know, their secondary, but they've got good pass rushers. They have good, you know, they have um, a nice solid linebacking core. I love Logan Wilson. Obviously, they have Joe Burrow. They've built an incredible receiving core around him. They have Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins and, you know, T.J. Uzama and obviously the big boy Jamar Chase. They've, they Like, they reinvest in that position, and Joe Mixon isn't a bad back at all bad offensive line they have a terrible offensive line though but i'm not in i'm not uberly mad at what he's done but i'm not like uberly happy at what he's done as well so my point is with kevin o'connell with not with but as the the new offensive coordinator or head coach with the vikings is that he comes from a long list of coaches from Sean McVay that have had incredible success in the NFL um, as head coaches. Even Brandon Staley, who, again, I'm not, like, a big fan of. He won, like, nine games last season. When the Chargers, the year prior to that, won, like, six, seven, something like that? I don't remember. I'm like, they're a good enough football team. The Vikings are, I think, to be a playoff team next year. I think the problem with Mike Zimmer was that Mike Zimmer, you know, even though Kirk Cousins had the be- his best seasons ever with Mike, I think Mike really through and through was a defensive-minded head coach. Granted, he got J.J., but I think he didn't, he didn't rely on the passing game as much as he probably should have with Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen and Kyle Rudolph when he was there as well. And I thought that that was kind of a mistake, and so did Stephon Diggs, and that's why Stephon Diggs is one of the best wide receivers in the NFL and why the uh, the Vikings are kind of like, oh, my gosh, I really wish I had another guy to pair with Stephon, not Stephon, excuse me, but with Justin Jefferson instead of Adam Thielen, who got hurt this year. But regardless, I really, really like the pickup. I really, really like Rams offensive coordinators. I don't know how to explain why they work so well, but they work so well. I don't necessarily It's one of those it's one of those picks that I had to kind of I kind of had to like I had to be talked into 
to be honest with you. I did. Because I wasn't in love with it. Because, again, he wasn't a proven guy. And, again, we all know who freaking calls the plays in Atlanta. And it's not Kevin O'Connell. I don't even know his name. I don't even know how to say his name. It's not Kevin, it's not Kevin O'Connell. It's Sean McVay. But, like, unlike the Patriots dynasty or their Patriots roster with so many offensive coordinators and um, and coaches that don't transition well off of, you know, the Patriots, Sean McVay has, like, a lot of great coaches that go from great relative-wise. But, like, Matt LaFleur. Matt LaFleur has been a better – has put together a better overall football team than I thought he would. He's really helped out the defense as well with getting Zadarius Smith and another guy, as well as Jair Alexander as well. Hopefully the Packers actually resign their corners instead of trading them away or releasing them like they always do. But yeah, I've been pretty satisfied with what Matt LaFleur has done these last couple of years as a head coach relative to the majority of the other football teams in the NFL. He went to three straight or two straight conference championships. It was one of the qualifiers for Eric Bieniemy and why I loved him so much. I'm not going to be a hypocrite. A lot of success from the Shanahan coaching tree. Sean McVay, not Shanahan. But still, there is technically a lot of success from the Shanahans as well. But you know what I mean. Directly from the Sean McVay coaching tree. Giants' Brian Dable. Look. A lot of people are juiced up because they're going to... Like a lot of Giants fans especially because they're going to be like, Cool. Brian Dable will be able to transfer and transition Daniel Jones into Josh Allen. Daniel Jones does not have the arm strength, the arm talent. He does not have the athleticism of Josh Allen, number one. Number two, I didn't like Brian Dable's offense either. I didn't like it either. Here's the reason why. Put his quarterback at risk. There were designed quarterback runs that I absolutely hated. Their running game was abysmal, was abysmal, partly because their offensive line could not get any push up front. What do you think is going to happen by the bye when the Giants and their crappy offensive line gets a load of Brian Dable and his crappy offensive, um, his offensive uh, running scheme, right? What do you think is going to happen? Not a lot. Not a lot of yards. Not a lot of production. Not a lot of touchdowns either. So, yeah, I'm not a big fan of Brian Dable. They've hired actually a pretty great staff in Wink Martindale as well. I do like him, former Baltimore Ravens defensive coordinator. I have no idea why he left. But I do like that hire in, obviously, Wink Martindale. But Brian Dable, not a big fan of. And if you want to know why I'm not a big fan of, go watch the, uh, the Chiefs game. There were so many times when I watched that game where I was just like, holy crap, why are they trying to run the football on first down? Throw it on first down. You know what I love about Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniels? When Tom Brady in the AFC Championship game um, three years ago, or was it three years ago? I think it was. Three, four years ago against the Rams. They just said, Tom Brady, look, do your thing. We're not going to interfere with you. We may try and get one or two runs here and there, but really, truly, no, we're not. And Tom Brady, he went out and he, you know, did his thing and had the game-ending drive in overtime against the Kansas City Chiefs in Arrowhead and won the game for the Patriots and went home, you know, back to the New England, uh, back to New England, and then prepared for the Super Bowl and beat the Rams. 
It was a great day for New England. Not a great day for Kansas City. And it's like my point is, there's times where coaches will interfere with their players, and then there's times where they will just let the players do whatever they need to do. Andy Reid is kind of another example of that. I don't like it when guys get in the way of quarterbacks trying to bail them out. I don't like that at all, which is why whenever I watch that game, I kind of cringe because everybody's like, oh, man, this team scored in like 10 seconds. And it's just like I focus more about the other 14 minutes and 50 seconds, not just the 10 seconds that they went down the football field on in the worst coverage I've ever seen in my entire life, which is why I was so pissed off with Leslie Frazier and his debaucherous self and him calling just shitty Shitty uh, just defenses where they played off coverage. Uh, not, not even off coverage, just a prevent defense. With like 10, like, oh my God. They only needed a field goal to tie the game. Oh my God, why? It's like watching Seattle lose the Super Bowl, except it's not as severe. It was just so stupid. Um, didn't like the Giants pick, loved Doug Peterson to the, uh, the Jags. It was like one of the only smart picks that I really, really liked actually. And it's because he was a great head coach. I loved him working with Jalen Hurts and Nick Foles and all these other, uh, all these other football players. I'm watching basketball right now. He worked with all these awesome quarterbacks, except for the quarterback that he put in instead of Justin. That was like his only big mistake. And I mean, goodness gracious, you could make an actual argument that maybe Howie Roseman maybe told him to tank. I am not sure. We don't have any evidence for that, but it that was weird. But with Doug, a Super Bowl with a backup quarterback I don't think can be understated and underrated. And with willing quarterbacks, he's won a lot of football games, like a lot of them. With Nick Foles, with Jalen Hurts, with guys that are not named Carson Wentz, even with Carson Wentz, he's actually won a lot of football games. And it's one of the things that I've looked at as one of the qualifiers as why I love Doug Peterson so much because he is, he just wins with guys who you wouldn't expect a guy to win with. So yeah, I do like Dougie P. Dougie P. Um, great pick by the Jacks. Texans, terrible pick. Lovey Smith. Oh my God. There's a story about Lovey Smith and the Houston Texans, right? So again, I'm kind of recapping and rehashing here. So over the weekend, about Saturday, I get multiple, multiple like tweets, right? Getting Twitter, not getting Twitter, but like I got tweets saying that essentially Lovey Smith or more specifically, Josh McCown, it was a done deal. Josh McClain had tweeted out. Yep. It's a done deal for Josh McCown. Da 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 da. Josh McCown's going to get the job. Like late Saturday, early Sunday, the storyline gets flipped. Josh McCown is out. The head, the Houston Texans believe he is going to be a great head coach somewhere else. Da 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 da. And he's out of the running for the job. And then reports soon emerge. And this is freaking before Lovey Smith even interviews. Lovey Smith gets the job. It's going to be Lovey Smith. He hasn't even been formally interviewed, and he already has the freaking job. Now, Lovey Smith is everything that I hate in the NFL. He is a 63-year-old defensive coordinator. 
who was on the Super Bowl run with the Chicago Bears. He's not. He had five years in Illinois. He was terrible there. He had a couple of years with Tampa Bay. Probably didn't have the players needed to have success, but once again, he was bad. I just think time has kind of passed him by. At least in my opinion, as a head coach in the NFL. I mean, he's four years younger than David Culley, and David Culley was like one of the oldest head coaches in the NFL. Like, literally, dudes are 30 years younger than he is in the NFL coaching. Like, Sean McVay, I think, is like 33, 34, 35. And he's like the best head coach or one of the best head coaches in the NFL. That's kind of the disparity that I'm talking about, where it's like, cool. You know, we can pretend that, like, I don't think anyone is pretending that this isn't the same hit job that they had executed against David Culley. They're just way more, way more um, braggadocious about it. They're just way more, you know, upfront about it. They don't care. They're like, yeah, we know what we're about to do. We're going to try and, like, Lovey Smith may get a one or two year hire or hire. Oh, my God. One to two year rental. And then he's going to get fired just like everybody else. Just like everybody else. Hey, it is what it is. I hated the Lovey Smith hire. Saints. God, man. Brian Leftwich, Todd Bowles. Maybe not Todd Bowles. Again, I'm not a big fan of hiring a defensive coordinator. Brian Leftwich, Eric Bieniemy, Kellen Moore. And they go with a former head coach and Dennis Allen. I feel like this is kind of a stop gap as stop gap as well. I don't think they had a plan. I really hope that they didn't hire him thinking that he's going to be a long-term like success story. It's weird. It's like I remember hearing like all of the um all of the nominees or the nominations for their head coaching job and I was just like these are all terrible prospects. I don't know why they keep like talking as if these are like good prospects for them because these really aren't. It was just like one of them was Dennis Allen and he had come up late in the, uh, in the head coaching search. And I was just like, this isn't a good signing. I don't know what you, what you think this is, but it's not as good as you think it is. And they hired their defensive coordinator. It's not that their defense is bad. It's just like, what, what's the plan for the offense? That's all I want to know. It's just like, what's the plan for the offense? Oh, you have no plan? Oh, we're just going to hire a defensive coordinator? Oh, that's smart. That's smart. That's real smart. Oh, my God. Saints with a defensive coordinator. I think he's young. He's young looking. He may be like late 30s, 40s, something like that. I don't know. Anyways, I'm super tired. Dennis Allen, God, what a disaster. Dennis Allen, DC? God. 
Saints are in trouble next year. Also, who's their quarterback? Finally, this is the final thing I'm going to talk about. Dolphins with Mike McDaniels, who is he, – he calls himself multiracial. I think his dad's family – I think his dad is black. It's just like – and his mom was white. I've never seen somebody look so white before in my entire life who is biracial, except for Logic. Like, Logic is – pretty biracial is it, i mean he looks white but he's black he's biracial it's just like bro bro you're biracial you know yeah he's biracial his mom is white his dad is black he identifies as multiracial again biracial look um i'm not going to waste your time it's the it's the um, it's the Nathaniel Hackett, it's the Kevin O'Callaghan, or Kevin O'Connell thing, right? He's an offensive coordinator who didn't call the plays and who didn't design the plays. That was Kyle Shanahan. I didn't learn anything by it. I don't know who he is, and I don't know Kyle Shanahan's coaching tree. I know Sean McVay's coaching tree. I don't know his. So when you tell me a guy like Mike McDaniel is supposed to be the head coach of the Miami Dolphins and I like like he didn't call the plays, like I don't know, man. Like everybody tells me that Eric Bieniemy doesn't interview well. I mean, I don't know why he just wouldn't walk up in there and just say, "Bro, I'm a Super Bowl winning offensive coordinator. I've gone to four consecutive AFC title games and I've won three of them or two of them, excuse me." That's all he needs to say. And that's all that needs to be said. My quarterback is Patrick Mahomes. Drop the mic, walk out. That's the interview. That's it. That is it. That is the only qualification that you need. My quarterback is Patrick Mahomes. Alex Smith was great under me, underneath me. You want to know what's interesting about Eric Bieniemy? And we'll end with this. Eric Bieniemy apparently is thinking of moving on from Kansas City because Kansas City, because he can't find a job. And the narrative of, well, he doesn't, call the plays so now I have to go somewhere else to call the plays which he does by the way he does call the plays but now I have to go someplace else because everybody thinks I don't call the plays when in reality he does anyways I'll see you tomorrow um we have a lot more stuff to talk about Deflategate, Kadarius Tony being traded Lewis Riddick potentially being a GM I'm just abnormally tired today. I'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye.